Hi, and thank you for joining us today on the NCMI podcast. How do you transition the leadership of a church well? On today's podcast, we'll be hearing from Brad Lane, who transitioned into the leadership role of the Crossing Church in Johannesburg, South Africa. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please remember to subscribe and visit our website, ncmi.net. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. My name is Brad, and uh, I get to lead an amazing church, the Crossing Church, with my wife. And uh, I've just learned from uh, Richard, I'm not allowed to give my wife the glory. But uh, honestly, it's a privilege to have an incredible eldership team and to serve uh, on the uh, partnership with NCMI. And uh, just incredible to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus and to be serving Him every step of the way. So today, uh, I'm going to touch on just a testimony and uh, a testimony of transition. I had to dig deep for my notes because it's uh, happened uh, in 2010, 12 years ago. And I tell you, there's some things that uh, I'd learned over that time and I am still learning. We're always in transition. It's a good uh, thing to understand that Jesus is making us more and more like him all the time. So you're always going to have some element of your life that is being challenged and shaped and formed and becoming more and more like him. And especially if you dare to be foolish enough to lead a church and to uh, respond to that call. But honestly, we're fools for Christ and uh, to serve him and to lead where he's called us is the most liberating and purposeful thing in all the universe. Amen. I want to pray for us, if that's okay, uh, probably just to steady my own nerves and then... Uh, we're going to get stuck into this testimony and just a, a bit of teaching around honoring fathers and receiving this wonderful thing that's been entrusted to us. So Lord, thank you for every single person in this room. Thank you for the incredible blessing of being called by you and being entrusted with what you've given us. Uh, for 2,000 years, you've been building your church and uh, forevermore, you're going to build your church until it is perfect in your sight, without spot and without wrinkle, and your bride will be exactly as you saw her on the day when you started it all, at that cross, and even way before, in all creation, you saw what you intended for us. And we pray, drive us forward towards the times ahead, into the unfolding and the revealing of all things in these end times, where your glory will be manifest for all the earth to see. Thank you for this, Jesus. Help us this morning in your wonderful name. Amen. So there's so many perspectives when it comes to transitioning. You might have heard Derek speak about it on, uh, I think, Monday night. And uh, just when it comes to receiving what God has given us and handing it over to those that we're going to entrust it to, it's vital and important that we do it with honor and respect what we have. And so this passage has come up often, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 2. Um, speaking of a good soldier of Christ, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in you in Christ Jesus. In some way, all of us are like children. We have a Father in heaven. Some of us maybe uh, are young when it comes to the experience of what God is leading us into and we're learning along the way. Uh, so it's not really to do with age. It's got everything to do with spiritual maturity as we grow in the things of God. And, and then at the same time, it says, and what you've heard from me, and I just love the picture here, uh, what you've heard from me, so Paul has received something from Jesus. Jesus hands it to Paul. Paul then uh, says, in the presence of many witnesses, I've handed it to you. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others as well. So there's five steps from Jesus to Paul to Timothy to faithful men who will entrust it to others. And this word entrust is vital for us. 
We must understand, like in passages Matthew 25, that the owner and the master of everything is one day going to ask every one of us for an account of everything that has been entrusted to us, not just our own hearts and lives, our marriages, our children, but everything in this kingdom that has been entrusted to us is going to ask us for an account of what we've done, not just with the gifts and talents, but with the people that he's entrusting to us. Somebody said it recently, the only, the only thing that we can store up in heaven as far as treasure is concerned is not silver and gold. That's the kind of stuff they tar the, the roads with in heaven. <laughs> the thing that heaven is stored up with is souls of people. And when you're entrusted with souls, every one of us on eldership teams that have been called by the Holy Spirit have been entrusted with souls that we'll give an account for and we'll stand before Jesus and give an account for what we did with those souls. It's an incredible responsibility. And so uh, this giving an account is going to happen when we stand before Jesus. We're going to give an account for his anointing, we're going to give an account for the word that we preach that he's given to us. We're going to give an account for this kingdom that has been placed within our hands that the Father is, is so willing to give us. We're going to give an account for his church and his people. We're going to give an account for the bride. We're going to give an account for the inheritance. And hopefully we stand there on that day and there are nations that are to the left and the right of us that we've had the, the privilege of playing a part in. Not just uh, the little old lady that has been um, praying all day in the back pews of our church who doesn't get any recognition. And then you've got those that stand up in, in front of conferences and big meetings and, and thousands are saved. Whatever it is, we're going to give an account for every single soul that we've touched with this incredible gospel. And, and for me it is, have we put faith like gold into people's lives? And so the same time Jesus was entrusted with something, he was entrusted with a kingdom. And we need to continue with this kingdom. It was handed over to the disciples. The disciples continued the work. They handed it over to us in the scripture form that was written for us. At the same time, the spirit of God that was upon Jesus, that was upon the disciples, is upon us. And so we can operate in the same things and even more, Jesus says. And until it reaches us, it reaches from us to the nations and generations to come until that final day where it's all handed to Jesus and then Jesus takes all of it and hands it to the Father. So you must understand, this thing of being entrusted with something and honoring it continues from Christ to his people, to his church, back to Christ, back to the Father. And so it's an incredible uh, just pattern, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24 to 28. It says, then comes the end, and he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And God has put all things in subjection under his feet. And when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjected under him. When all things are subjected under him, the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. Isn't that amazing? Christ handed this incredible baton to us. It's going to be handed back to him. Along the way, it's handed to you and I by fathers who've gone ahead of us. And then we're going to hand it over to sons and daughters that run beyond us. And ultimately, we had a part to play in what Jesus gives back to the Father. Do you know how important your role is? And do you know, therefore, how important it is that we transition well, that we handle well what God has given us and hand it over to those with great honor? So my testimony, just as far as uh, our step or our part in this journey, I was born uh, 
in a family where my grandfather was an elder in an Assemblies of God church. I remember going down to Peter Maritzburg at uh, age of six and sitting in the pews and seeing my grandfather stand up and begin to prophesy and begin to speak in languages I never heard before. And uh, saw this and thought, well, I love my grandpa and I love everything he's about. And so I love this. Whatever this is, I'm going uh, to appreciate it just because it's my family. And my grandfather spoke in tongues and then my grandfather brought interpretation of tongues. And every time we went on holiday down to Peter Maritzburg, we would spend time with my grandparents. We would see them open their homes to uh, Bible studies and, and he was an elder in that church. He then encouraged our family to serve God. He told my, my father to please see that me and my sister go to Sunday school. And I can tell you this, we started going and then my parents started going because they didn't want to drop us off and fetch us all the time. So they would come and they'd stay for church. I can say this, the best years of my life were between the ages of seven and 12 as our whole family served Jesus. And uh, I'm saying that on purpose because it was, as my father stepped into what God had for him, it brought incredible favor over us as a family. And for me as a kid to be impacted and to ascend to this incredible kingdom of what Jesus was doing at that young age was so important. And so God was putting some things into my heart and life. Uh, unfortunately, between the ages of 13 and 21, had nothing to do with church, got involved in drugs, got involved in all kinds of nonsense. My mom and dad got divorced. And when my dad wanted to get remarried, he, um, in the region where I stay now, uh, found this church where a couple, Manny and Dawn Pereira, were leading the church and said to my dad, you can come and join, you can, we'll marry you, but you need to join us. And it wasn't like a hoop to jump through, but uh, Manny knew that God ne uh, my dad needed God. And uh, when my dad was restored back to faith and back to um, just submitting himself to kingdom and to the things of Jesus, I got radically saved. And I can't say that I was saved between the ages of 7 and 13. It was probably more a, a mental ascent and, and what my family did, we did. Um, even though my, my dad supports Liverpool and I just will not support Liverpool. But at that stage, <laughs> it was, we did what the family did. And um, my dad got saved. And when my dad got saved, I had a dream. And I was walking towards a light. And it was like God was showing me that he was calling me into his purposes and my life changed there again. And so once again, there was this incredible responsibility that a father played over a family that while my father had loved God, there was something over me. And when my father was not serving God, there was something that was broken over me. But as my father was restored, it, did, it restored calling in my own life. So I'm just showing, even in a family perspective, how important it is that we understand that what's been entrusted to us is going to be handed over to our children. Whether we're serving God or whether we're away from God, those kind of things are going to affect our children and affect the generations to come in a, in a major way. And so um, got radically saved and saw Manny and Dawn Pereira as, in, as a spiritual parents to myself. Uh, when I, the day that I wanted to introduce my wife to Manny and Dawn, um, they said, uh, Brad, we're so glad that you want to get married, uh, but we want you full-time. So the, the night that we were telling them that we wanted to get married was the night he told us he wants us to serve full-time in the life of the church. So it was quite a, uh, a bomb shock. <laughs> like, what? And uh, the reality is that God was leading our marriage into his purposes at that stage. And so um, the call of God just started to show within our lives. God was using us in, in mighty ways and Manny and Dawn started to expose us to ministry. And uh, God started to use us mightily. There was a watershed moment for me. I remember one day walking in uh, Burundi next to a church where we'd been preaching in Bujumbura. 
and an open uh, sewer next to the church. And uh, we'd preached in the, meet, in the meetings about elders and deacons. And at that stage, church model was very important, but preached that. And uh, was walking out of this church along this open sewer on the way to the hotel. And I was like, yeah, God, I don't want this. Actually, why don't you send me somewhere like a first world country? You know, can't I go to Germany or something like that? Or some of the nice places or whatever it is. I know there's some guys from the States here. <laughs> Those kind of cool places. Anyway, um, going and I, and I get back to my hotel room and uh, open my Bible just to do some more reading. And, and the, my scripture reading is about Esau selling his birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. And as I read that, I felt like God said to me, Brad, why do you despise the inheritance I have for you? And I was weeping as I realized that God had something for me that I was wanting to push aside because I didn't like it. And that night, I realized how much God had been using this man, Manny Pereira, to be a spiritual father to me. And I just started to see on so many occasions how he'd opened doors for me, how he'd provided for me, how he'd loved me, and just treated Sharice and I as his own children. And, and even with his own um, excesses and failings, he was just fathering us in an incredible way. And in that moment, I realized that I needed to become a son, and a true son at that, and not just, um, just some person who'd been living for his own purposes, his own call, do what I want, my destiny, all these kind of things. I want to go with what suits me. I realized I needed to submit myself into a place where there was a father-son relationship that was impacting me in a huge way. And you know, the funny thing is, I didn't know this, but that same night, God was speaking to Manny in the hotel room next door about him becoming a father to the nations, and God started to speak to him about handing over his church to the next son. And uh, he felt like I was that son. And when we went to preach, and our sessions changed that morning, I felt in my heart I wanted to preach what it meant to be a, a true son. And I just looked at Timothy, the, uh, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and picked out all the elements that made um, Timothy a true son to Paul. And a true son in the sense of the kingdom of God and of Christ. And highlighted all the things that Timothy would have been taking care of and being entrusted with um, to Paul as a spiritual father. Because Paul would say, to my spiritual son. And Manny had prepared in his heart a message on fathering and how to father in the nations and how to, you know, these, these um, leaders in the churches in Africa were crying out for this kind of teaching because all they had was fathers who would push aside anybody that would rise up in some kind of uh, threatening manner to take over their churches and would kick them out with nothing. And so you had this real broken understanding of the relationship of father and son in a spiritual sense. And uh, God started to use us to speak into that. At the same time, <laughs> Sharice and I were going through some difficult things uh, personally, and we'd had a number of people give us prophetic words that didn't work out. How many of you had prophetic words that didn't work out? Uh, and uh, sometimes you have to wait for those prophetic words to work out, but we can sometimes be impatient. It can either be that the word is wrong or that we're impatient. And um, uh, if somebody had to come to Sharice and say, you and Brad are going to be the next leaders of, the crossing to, uh, of Ebenezer, this church, we would have said, no, thank you. Uh, not a chance, you know, because if it had come with any kind of thus says the Lord, we would have said, well, okay, let's see. And so she had had a dream that Manny and Dawn were handing the church over to us as the next leaders of the church and a profound dream. And when we woke up in the morning, it was like, well, you know, this is um, something that we're going to need to shelve. We didn't know what it meant. We weren't going to now go and put on our Facebook statuses, hey, we're the next leaders of the <laughs> church. 
And there was something of, of God stirring and doing something. We didn't quite know what it meant. We knew it would lead somewhere. We had a desire to be used by God somewhere. He who desires to be an elder desires a noble task. We had the desire. And so um, we camped that dream for a while. But it was amazing. The following year, back in the nations, and that's probably also an important element of when you've surrendered yourself to the translocal work and to the work of God, God speaks to you in incredible ways for your own life. And uh, while we were back in Rwanda, in that same Great Lakes region of Africa, um, Manny and Dawn on one particular day called us into their hotel room and said to Sharice and I, we believe you're the next leaders of the Crossing Church, of Ebenezer, sorry. Um, the, the name of the church is the Crossing at the moment, so I'll explain that as we go. But um, there I was, a 32-year-old son in the house, I got saved in that house, had known no other leader, no other church, apart from when I was younger and smaller. And um, uh, my wife was 28, and we were given the leadership of a 25-year-old church. You can imagine the kind of things that happen inside your heart, you know. And so I want to touch on some practical points for preparing for transitioning, what happens when you're in transitioning, and what happens after transitioning. And the reality is this, all of you are going to be involved in transition in some way. Maybe God's preparing you to take on the leadership of a church. Maybe he's preparing you to raise up leaders for other churches. And maybe he's preparing you to hand over a church to somebody uh, or to someone in the near future. Whatever it might be, we're all being entrusted with something we have to hand over at some point in some way. The first thing is Galatians 6 verse 6 to 10 says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, from his flesh will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith." One of the great principles, and there's so many, and there's a whole lot that you can look at in, in the booklet uh, as you go forward, but this great principle is vital. How do you treat your teachers and how you treat your fathers and those that have got authority over you is sowing seeds for the way you will be treated when you lead, when you teach, and when you father. It is absolutely essential to understand this, that if you sow good followership, you will reap good followers. If you sow in a way of honoring leaders ahead of you, you'll reap in a way that there are those that will follow you when you lead. The reality is if you resist leadership, you will find such resistance in your own ability to lead going forward. And uh, this, uh, God says he's not mocked. What you reap, you sow. Ah, what you sow, you reap. <laughs> and so the way to follow is sow the seeds of the kind of follower you'd like to reap. I mean, what kind of person would you like to follow you? I, honestly, I can say today, some of the guys on my team, in fact, most of the guys, in fact, all the guys on the team, if it's a, I know one of them is wearing a Man United shirt. <laughs> but but the, guy, the, the support that my wife and I have has been so encouraging. And I know that when Sharice and I were following a leader, we put in as much as we could because we knew one day we'd be in that position and we would need the support that we get. And perhaps there's some things that we get that we don't like, but I can tell you, I know that when I was following, there were some things that I sowed that I shouldn't have. And those kind of things I have to deal with going forward. And so to save you so much pain, adjust, repent, 
love your leaders, the spiritual entrusting that has been given to them is going to come to you, irrespective of personality, irrespective of what they've done with it or not. The reality is how you treat that transition is going to be so valuable for yourself going forward. And you have the opportunity now to sow into it in a great way uh, so that you can reap in an incredible way. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. Quite simply, the golden rule. And so Hebrews 13 is 17, obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Isn't that amazing? The way you obey and the way you submit results in advantage for you. If you don't obey and don't submit and want to kick against everything, and yes, I know, like uh, Richard again said, that we need to allow guys to buck the system. Remember, buck the system in the way that you'd like it to be bucked. Because <laughs> there is a time when you're going to have an advantage based on the way that you've uh, submitted and, and obeyed. Sharing everything with your teachers. Don't keep your best ideas for when you lead. Submit your best ideas to the leader now. So that you can have the best ideas come your way. You know, it's amazing how sometimes people say, well, when I lead, I'm going to do it like this. And when I lead, I'm going to do it like that. Rather, try it in the safe zone before you're out there in the open zone with nobody to cover you. You know, rather submit what you need to to those who are leading you. And perhaps their experience and their testimony will tell you that it's not going to work to have a church that just goes after miracles. You know, so these kind of things are so valuable and important. And there's nothing new under the sun. And the thing that you think is novel has probably been seen 10 times by the person who's teaching you. And so it's so important to bring those ideas in, yes, for creativity, and yes, for new, new ingenuity and all these things. But in a submitted manner, you can start to see God do incredible things. And so we celebrated Manny and Dawn. We, we did what we could on the week before the transition. We secretly and I don't encourage this for any other reason, but secretly spoke to the members of the church without their knowledge about honoring them as best as we could for the 25 years that they'd led that church through thick and thin. And uh, to see Manny and Dord standing in front of that church and weeping as people just laid gift upon gift at their feet for the way that they'd served. I tell you, what a pr- it was such an honor to be able to say, wow, thank you God that I could be used in a way to bless this family and in, and in a sense sow seeds for my own leadership into the future. Now I'm not looking for gifts and all kinds of things. So babe, if, if we need some gifts, let's transition. No, the reality is <laughs> you're sowing seeds of honor and perhaps you'll only reap them in eternity. It's not so much about what you can get here. It's about what God wants to do, and you'll see the effects of those things. So in transition, there's something I want to touch on there. That's just in preparing for transition. There's so much more, but you can get the notes on that. In transition, you know, maybe you are earmarked for a transition. Maybe you will transition to others soon. Remember, we all honor the receiving and the handing over of this kingdom with everything we do. There can be feelings of inexperience and feelings of being unqualified. I can remember uh, wondering, God, what am I going to do? You know, where, where do we go? What now? You know, and, I, and I, the Lord gave me this incredible passage, Psalm 16, verse 5 to 6. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. You know, in transition, you need to get your strength, security, and your dependence from Jesus Christ and from him alone. We heard people say things like, well, we're watching to see what happens to you guys. 
You know, that's, that's not the way to blow wind in people's sails, you know. And uh, there are those that blew wind in ourselves. But I tell you who blew the most wind in ourselves was Manny and Dawn Pereira. That couple, knowing what they'd spent their whole life preparing, now handing it over, they handed it over in such an incredible way, not with control to try and see that it would go okay, but they just said to me time and time again, to Sharisa and I, Brad and Sharisa, go for it. Whatever decision you make, we're behind you. We back you. We'll help you. And there were things that were challenging and there were things that were not so challenging. But I tell you, they backed us and it was wonderful. You'll see who's in your corner and who's not. But at the end of the day, your security and your dependence comes from Jesus and from him alone. So run into that with all you have. The change of role was interesting. Uh, Manny and Dawn at that time had taken a bit of a sabbatical, three months, and then Manny had had a heart op and God almost gave him a new ticker. (laughs) Because when he came out from that operation, he was like on fire. And uh, a new valve in his, in his heart, whatever. But it was like God did something spiritually in him for the sake of the nations. And the fruit we still see in the Great Lakes region of Africa today is as a result of that man and his family. And um, I remember him uh, saying to me, Brad, I'd like to have a meeting with you. One of the first meetings I'd had with him after the transition. Sat down at a, dinner table, uh, at a, a lunch table. And he, he pushed across the, the table his budget, his whole personal budget of everything he does with his salary income, uh, budget and actual income and expenses, all of it, put it across the table. He took his calendar and put his calendar across the table. He says, this is where I'm going and this is where I need leave and this is what I'm doing. And he pushed it across the table and he said, I want you to speak into my ministry and I want you to speak into my money and I want you to speak into my marriage. And I tell you, I'm sitting there with a man who's fathered me and I'm realizing God's starting to do something and I haven't got a clue what to say. I said, okay, I have no problem. Let's have a look at this. <laughs> but I tell you, the incredible heart of submission within that man and to understand that your role changes and the way that you've handled different people in different places changes when you stop to start to step into transition. There has to come a greater authority and there has to come a recognition in your own heart that if God is putting a mantle upon you, that you need to respect that mantle that's been entrusted to you and then operate in it and not be insecure about it. So not wonder and say, oh, no, 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 sorry, no, I can't do that. You know, Manny, no, you're doing well, don't look at it. There's something that God's placed on you and that transitional phase is important. Because you start to change, your, your leadership, your relationship starts uh, start to change. On the eldership team that we had at the time, there were potentially guys that thought they should be the leader. And when they were not the leader, you could understand there was some breakdown in maybe relationship, communication, comparisons start to take place. And then challenging decisions that are made. And so there again, you've got to lean into the authority that has been given to you. Uh, as opposed to kind of trying to befriend everyone. Uh, I seem to have this, this thing in my heart of, befriending anybody I can befriend anybody anywhere except if you a Man United supporter and uh, no then you're special friends but um, the reality is you can't befriend everybody sometimes as you realize that you take on authority that God has given you the greatest friendship you can bring is to use that authority in their lives in the right way whether it's for constructive or disciplining whatever it might be and to step into that new stage is an incredible thing to learn um, we honored Manny and Dawn. It was a privilege to have them covered with their salary and, and honor the whole partnership of NCMR but not, by not having uh, them rely on the whole partnership to be covered. They re- relied on us and it was a privilege to say, we look after you and we take care of you. There is something about that promise that if you honor your father and mother, that you will have long life and things will go well with you. We're not talking about titles where now you know, people are walking around with, I'm father so-and-so. Jesus said, you have one father, 
But there is an attitude within our hearts that is not trying to over-elevate fathers and titles, but is respecting the things that have been on people's lives. And as we honor our fathers and our mothers and those that have even spiritually been parents to us, there is a promise that it will go well with us and we'll have long life. I want it to go well with you and that your church and ministries would have length that is um, strong to the end. So it's an incredible heart to, to stay in that sense of honoring. You know, um, as a leader of a church, you could come to the point where nobody tells you what to do. That's a very dangerous place to be. As a leader of a church, you think you've got the final say on everything. It's a very dangerous place to be. Therefore, it's vital to stay in relationship and in partnership with apostolic fathers, with apostolic spiritual relationships, where you submit yourself as a son to those that could father you and that could guide you and that could lead you. Not so much to have a dad tell you what to do everywhere. We're not talking about that. But to take on the responsibility of submitting yourself as someone who's like a son in different areas and in different places. So as Manny and Dawn would head up the the work into the Great Lakes, I said to myself, well, I don't want to go there with the attitude of I'm a lead guy. I need to go there with the attitude of I am a lead guy and I need people to follow me. So let me keep following and let me keep submitting and let me keep serving on another man's team as much as possible so that I have the same reaping within the teams that I have to lead. And so going into the Great Lakes, it was no problem for me to carry his bags, to stand with him, to encourage him. If he needed me to preach, got up and preached the best that I could and did everything I could under the authority of someone else, knowing that those seeds within that thing was going to produce a fruitful harvest for me back home. It's unfortunate when we even work into the nations, when we partner together on teams like this, where people come with an attitude of, well, I know all the truth and I want everybody to listen to what I have to say. Those kind of things are not producing this entrusted honor honoring, reaping that God wants to produce among us. So wherever you go, no matter what you do, honor the fathers, honor those in spiritual authority, talk to them in a way that shows that you want to be entrusted with what they've got and what what you need to be able to entrust to others. It's a vital thing. Submission and authority in the kingdom of God is one of the most important, important things. The Bible says this clearly. Jesus says it to that Roman soldier. Uh, In fact, the soldier says it to Jesus. Uh, I know what it's like to be in authority and be under authority. You are only in authority when you're under it. You have, the, the equation is very simple. Not under authority equals zero authority. Under authority equals in authority. And so if you want authority, make sure you submit it to authority and you'll have it. And it rolls out practically in this. You can say, well, I'm submitted to Jesus. That's most unhelpful. If you want to go tell everyone you submitted to Jesus only, the reality is the Holy Spirit puts people in different places and in different ways so that you can submit yourselves to them as if you're submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit. I mean, somebody say, um, I, don't need the, I don't need elders in my life uh, because I listen to the Holy Spirit. Well, this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit has set apart elders for your soul to give an account for your soul. So if you say you just follow the Holy Spirit, well then follow the Holy Spirit to the elders and to the leaders that are there for you to submit to them and to grow in the authority that you need in your own life. It's vital and essential. Is that good? Um, We need more people that honor fathers. 1 Corinthians 4, 15, 16. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. 
So look for the opportunities to father, but look for the opportunities to be a son before you father. And then beyond transition, transition isn't over after the handover. It's vital to understand this. When you inherit a team, you inherit a team that was maybe set up by the momentum and by the strength and by the training of the previous leader. And you have to respect that. And so I knew that for two years of leading Ebenezer, there was a momentum that had already been set by a man that was, had gone before. And there was no point in trying to take the steering wheel and to spin it to the left or to the right and see all the loose cannons fly off the edge of the ship. The reality is that as you, you're moving and the sails that have been put up and the wind that is blowing has been put up by somebody else. And most people want to transition when those winds are blowing fiercely and powerfully. It's unfortunate when the ship is almost sinking and then somebody tries to hospital pass the ship to somebody else. The reality is a good transition is going to be while it's flying and while it's going and it's doing so well. That's when it's going to be handed over. So you need to respect that the momentum that you have was actually placed there by somebody else. And it's good to go after the momentum that you can hand over to somebody else. But the reality is everybody that you inherit has been trained by somebody else and has been envisioned by somebody else. So there is a season of respecting that as you start to hear from God what is the vision and what is the transition that he, and just the, the revelation he wants to place within your heart to add to the momentum, to shift the momentum, or to change it in whatever direction. Sometimes, perhaps, if there's been a, a denominational type model or some kind of model that where there's some things that are unhelpful, it might mean changing the momentum in a totally different direction. All of those things require sensitivity and require handling the people that you're leading with great care. And so we must understand what we've been entrusted with is worth honoring at every level. Be uh, free of the fear of failure. Be free of comparison. Uh, one of the things that you can do is remember that people will praise you and people will criticize you. <laughs> I remember preaching a message and uh, a lady came up to me and she said, man, that is the best preach I've ever heard. I thought, wow, gee, that's amazing. Thank you very much. And as she walked away, somebody came uh, up to me directly behind her and said, that is the worst preach I've ever heard and spat on the ground right in front of me. <laughs> that thing marked me for life. And as, as this happened, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, you don't listen to either of them. The reality is we're not trying to please people and we're not trying to dodge criticism. We need to listen to what God is telling us to do. And so um, what's important is to hold on to the previous promises and the previous prophetic words that have been spoken over a church. It's wonderful to get new prophetic words, but God's been around a lot longer than you. And God's been speaking into the church that you're transitioning a lot longer than you and a lot longer maybe than the previous leader. So receiving those prophetic words is going to give you some indication of where God's wanting to take this. And it's not a case of you saying, well, God, follow me. Let's go together into the destiny that I have for the church. No, God, we follow you in the destiny that you have for the church. So show us those prophetic words, please, Lord. Be careful of people who want to just serve the kingdom and don't want to respond to you. Now, this might sound a little bit strange. The reality is those who serve the kingdom are very helpful to us. But there's something about drawing out a response from people that is going to be so strength, uh, in strengthening and encouraging for the future. If you say to someone, I see the call of God on your life, because you're the lead guy, that person starts to respond in a way that is, so, is, is just phenomenal. There's something of an anointing that comes. When you're not the leader and you say to someone, there's a call of God on your life. The reality is they might go and investigate it for themselves, but there's something about an authority that comes upon a lead person that as you call it out in people, they'll start to respond.
and you can work with the people that respond. But when you started to work with people and you say, hey, man, I really sense something. God's got something for you. You say, no, no, well, I'll just serve the Lord, and, and it's, you know, it's all kingdom for me, buddy. And, and they don't really respond to you. It's very difficult to work with them. They might be an incredible asset to the life of the church and to uh, the kingdom in various ways. But you, you're going to go as far as those that, you're going to go with those as far as they're willing to respond to you and to the anointing and the call of God that is on your life. It's important to respect and understand that. And so, be confident, continue with strength, there's freedom, and let the momentum that God has placed there just uh, ride the wave, you know, it's incredible. God transitions on purpose, so yes, there are some changes that need to be made. And uh, there's some things that need to stay the same. But if God wanted it all to stay the same, he wouldn't have changed the leadership. And so there are some things that need to change. So understand that change is God purposefully wanting to bring the church into new seasons, into new things. We, for instance, um, the church used to be called Ebenezer Christian Fellowship. Ebenezer Christian Fellowship is a great name. Ebenezer means stone of help. And, uh, but for 25 years, the church had become a bit clicky. And the established relationships were really tight. And people loved one another, and there was a great culture, but it seemed to settle with just those who were in it. And so the name didn't need to change, but the culture needed to change to reaching out and to fetching more and to going after those that were beyond. And so the name change helped the culture change. And so the Crossing Church became a banner to help this group realize that we need to go beyond, go further, go to the places where God has called us and to cross the borders, cross the divides, cross whatever gaps there are so that we can see others reached. And so, uh, you know, sometimes the name of a church can be a holy cow, but sometimes those holy cows make good sacrifices and good offerings to the Lord. (laughs) And Ebenezer Christian Fellowship served its purpose. We didn't just want to be a fellowship of Christians. We wanted sinners who didn't have to look up the Hebrew meaning of a word to know that this is a church they could belong to. You know, so the culture started to change under that. Right, and then uh, future transitions. Understand this. You might be thinking of planting a church. You're like, well, Brad, transitioning is not even on my radar. Well, I think put it on your radar from the start. Again, the reality is uh, you need to be looking forward to the day when you hand over what you're about to be used by God to build. It might be the the greatest church on the planet and you should feel that your church is the greatest church on the planet because it's the one that he's called you to and it's the one that he's going to give, you're going to give an account in eternity for and so there is no other church for you except the one that you're in right now. But realize this, that the transition is going to take place at some point and so pray into that often because this is not a, I'm going to camp and stay and and uh, hold on to everything and make it the biggest trophy cabinet of kingdom for all the world to see. That's not the heart of the church and of Jesus Christ who's entrusted his kingdom and all that he has to us. Think about what it looks like and think about who you need to be and how you need to be to people in order for that transition to be fresh and beautiful in the day when it happens. And uh, one day, you too are gonna need the support of sons and daughters. You can do the kingdom thing with the intention of building a pension fund to look after yourself and your shell collection at your beach uh, retirement village, you can try and do it that way, but that's not kingdom. See, the point is, Psalm 127 
Verse 3 to 5, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruits of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, and he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And I tell you, now's the time to start having children. Go forth and multiply. I'm not talking about natural children. If you've heard me preach for the last half an hour, I'm talking about start raising sons and daughters. One of those sons and daughters could be the one that either takes over from you or takes over from someone else in another church elsewhere. So what you sow into them now is vital and essential. Uh, you might see somebody coming across to you to say, uh, Pastor Brad, and what do, we, what do we call Pastor's wife, Sharisa? <laughs> you, they might come and say, we want to get married. And we just, we just flow in love with each other. And your heart might see within them, these are the future leaders of my church. Be careful how you treat your sons and daughters. Be careful how you treat those relationships. Because on the day when you need to hand over at the city gates, you want to make sure that you've got warriors and a whole handful of them taking care of your future. And not just yours, the kingdom. What a great inheritance we have. Can I pray for us? Father, we honor you. We thank you for what you've handed to your son. Jesus, we thank you for the way that you honored the Father. And every step you made was in direct submission to you and to the Spirit, who even being led into the desert, submitted to the Spirit and followed the Spirit to places where maybe Jesus felt, this is not quite where I thought we were going to go with this ministry thing. And having submitted to the word and to the Father comes out of that desert filled with the Spirit, anointed and stands up and says, the Sovereign Lord has placed on me His Spirit and anointing for so much more. And Lord, when you were about to rise and ascend to the throne, you handed your power, your gifting, your anointing, your fivefold ministry, you handed it over to fishermen. And maybe we think, hang on, Lord, is that the right way to do this? I mean, is these, are these the people you want to entrust this world-changing kingdom to? With the Spirit inside of them, they submitted themselves to the Spirit, to the Father, to the Son, and to one another. And we have the church of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for generations that have done what they've done so that we can be where we are today. None of us sits here without someone having honored what was passed to them, honored it through their lives, and handed it to us here. And you don't sit here without having honored it yourself. And you won't watch others sit here unless you honor it and make sure they do too. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for such an incredible sense of the inheritance that you have for us, that one day when it's all handed back to the Father, in 2022, we had a realization that the part that we played in people's lives and in the church was transitional, but so eternal and so vital. So help us, O oh God, as we honor these relationships. Show us who our fathers are. Show us who our sons are. Maybe I need to say, show us who those are that would be like spiritual mothers to us and show us who our spiritual daughters are. And as we honor our fathers and mothers, this commandment has a promise that it goes well with us and we would live long in the land 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to go to ncmi.net for more resources. 